Chapter Nine of Phillips Brooks by Mark Antony DeWolf Howe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. There is no art to do for personalities what photography can do for scenes and faces. The achievements of a man, the effect of his personality and its mediums of expression, can be described in words, but the personality itself is a thing which eludes reproduction in the terms of human speech. With Phillips Brooks, this indefinable gift of personality was the dominating element of power. Surely it was not his mind by itself which placed him head and shoulders above most of his contemporaries. In the mere gift of intellect some of them surpassed him. It has frequently been said that if he had devoted himself to literature, his gifts of insight and of self-expression would have wrought wonderful results. Perhaps they would, for certainly men of no greater mental equipment have made enviable names for themselves in letters. But all these speculations are futile. He chose the work of preaching for the expression of his personality, and it remains for us only to fix our final regard upon its individual methods and effects. Let us say at once, then, that the gifts of circumstance, physique, and temperament played an important part in making him what he was. Whether through his own merits or not, he was shielded from the petty concerns and cares which hamper the majority of mankind. To illustrate his physical indifference to the ills of the body, it is told that he once held up his thumb, bearing the scar of a surgeon's knife, and said, Men tell me that was about the severest pain which a man can have. If that is so, then I have less respect for pain than I thought I had. Joined with this physical superiority was the corresponding temperament of the optimist. The union of these qualities in many persons would have served to repel the natures more sensitive to the unequal things of life. But in public and in private utterances, a third quality of sympathy was blended with these other two in such a manner as to make them far less a means of suggesting the unattainable than of communicating strength. To look up into his honest, clear eyes, wrote Lucy Larcombe, when she was first making his acquaintance, was like seeing the steady lights in a watchtower. This, then, was a physical presence which of itself expressed what men and women needed to know. The spiritual gifts, to which his intellect brought many and important aids, gave him his true distinction. In an age commonly called the most material, he rose up and presented a living proof of his belief that all men could be touched and stirred by the utterance of genuine spiritual truth. Dr. Holmes described him as the ideal minister of the American gospel. And so he was, the interpreter of the unseen spiritual things so hidden behind the temporal and seen that it is all too easy for a people like ours to forget their existence. To readjust a favorite figure of his own, Bishop Brooks was a window of clear glass through which the light which was to him the light of life shone down, with the least possible loss of clearness through transmission into the lives of men. Before them he set up the highest and noblest standards of living, 
and into the theological atmosphere of his time, within and outside of his own branch of the universal church, he introduced, for laity as for clergy, a clearing influence of which the effectiveness cannot possibly be restricted to the period of one man's life. Like the actor and the orator, unlike the poet and the painter, the preacher must yield up the fullest power of his work when his voice is silenced and his personality removed. But the preacher who is also a teacher of positive truth cannot wholly perish. He passes on to others something of the spirit that was in him. The chief torch is extinguished, and it seems at first as if little or no light would be left. But soon our eyes begin to see the rushlights and the candles which have lit themselves at the torch, and though no one of them is so bright as this was, yet their total light makes the gray world a far more tolerable place. Moreover, many lights are still to be lit which will owe their quality of brightness to the torch they have never known. So surely has it been, and will it be, with the influence of Phillips Brooks. End of chapter 9 End of Phillips Brooks by Mark Antony DeWolf Howe